I am Kirsten Burke, and I am joined by Data Endures CTO and Chief Information Security Officer, Shaheen Peruz. Shaheen, welcome. Hi, everyone. I don't know about you, but I'm, uh, I'm surprised we're here at the end of September, but uh, glad you can join us. Um, we are continuing today the series we started last month about our security for FECTA. Uh, we've been talking about why it's so important for organizations to consider certain aspects of, the, of their security to make sure that their posture is as strong as it can be. Last month, we talked about um, EDR, Endpoint Detection and Response. And today, we are going to be talking about uh, anti-phishing protection. Uh, Shaheen, why don't you give us a little lead-in? Um, I know sh this, this was not originally in our four-fecta. We had been uh, for a while talking about a trifecta, but the events of 2020 have um, really kind of changed the game in terms of phishing. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, just as a uh, quick refresher, the, the four-fecta is our approach to a modern defense in depth. Um, given that you know what we've seen a rapid change and increase in is the transformations that people are doing. They're doing digital transformations of their traditional data centers or server rooms and moving quickly to make their applications so that they can be accessed by distributed um, uh, workers. And the, the onslaught of this pandemic has basically created something none of us were prepared for, which is going from 10 to 25% of our uh, workers working remote to 100% working remote. And so that distributed edge model, that distributed uh, compute requirement model has created you know, challenges, exasperated challenges for protecting those people out in the field. And um, so our trifecta was DNS defense up front to block known bad URLs. Uh, it was EDR right behind that to if a bad, if somebody were able to click on a bad URL and it didn't get blocked, that your EDR solution would detect it and help you respond to it and shut down any threats. And then the final layer of defense was uh, what we like to prefer, our SOC, but a, a good security practice and security operations center. Mm -hmm. And as a result of this distributed world that we find ourselves in today, um, it really became important to add the fourth layer, which is the first layer actually of our Forfecta, which is the advanced phishing protection. So advanced phishing protection, DNS defense, EDR, and then SOC. And, and the way we look at it is um, there's a lot of solutions out there for training your users, security awareness training, phishing training, to help them to become more aware. Every one of us for the last five to 10 years has been trying to help our people uh, learn that look at the URL, look at the email address, look at the link. Does it look like it's from Microsoft or does it look like it's from Microsoft? And and so on and so forth. And we've been trying to educate our users to become our defensive tool. And um, the still today, the number one breach factor is insider. And insider, it, it doesn't have to mean that they're malicious themselves. It means that somebody took advantage of them and phishing is the perfect way to take advantage of them. So- Well, and particularly when everyone is so far away from IT resources right now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you kind of lose that in-office communication chain where someone says in the hall, something's going on, I've seen something, and people are a little bit more on their own than they were before to navigate these, these, in, this information coming in. Absolutely. And, and the challenge is that 
you know, as IT organizations, we don't control their home network in any way. Uh, you know, some lucky IT organizations that had funding and for with all for, uh, I remember four companies ago, we decided to go completely virtual for our headquarters. And we, when we did that, we basically created a home network within our employees that went remote homes, mm-hmm. um, which was a segment of their network, not the whole network. We still were reliant on their internet connection. We still were reliant on the ability to traverse their their local land, but we created our own uh, little um, bastioned area where the work computers live and so on and so forth that we can provide support to those users. But we don't always get that kind of advantage. And in, in today's world, nobody planned for 100% of their people getting that, even if you had it for 25. So now we have to take the the, the forfecta and when it, the reason we call it a modern defense in depth is because when you think of defense in depth, you think of the traditional security approaches that we've taken, the security postures that we've adopted over the last 20, 30 years, which are really this the, the concept of a castle and we have uh, moats and we have drawbridges and we have uh, people standing in the turrets waiting to shoot somebody. And it that doesn't exist anymore because the castle's empty and everybody's out in the field. They're working, uh, they're working in the fields. And so we need to figure out how to protect those people who are out in the field. And the best way to do that is to create a distributed layered security approach. Um, and today's topic is really talking about the advanced phishing, that first layer of defense. And um, like I was saying, it's the education's great and we're doing a good job of teaching our people what to look for. And a lot of our people are getting better, but they're not perfect. And all it takes is one mistake. All it takes is one piece of malware to make its way to an endpoint uh, survive undetected and then spread internally and cause problems. We, um, well, there's a reason we kind of call it social engineering, right? Or, yeah. or the, the, the bad guys are so adept at playing off of, uh, something that's going on out there, emotion, um, you know, COVID we've seen a tremendous spike in phishing because people are anxious and people are looking for information and, um, they're, they're up against an adversary that's much more savvy than they are using weapons that they are not familiar with. And so organizations can't rely on humans for this line of defense. We just can't. And we can't rely on the edge protections that we created in our offices with firewalls and with proxies and so on and so forth, because those don't extend to the home. Unless you have everybody VPN in, and most of us don't have infrastructure that can support that. Um, hence, we're seeing this massive spike in zero trust networks becoming exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. And I agree with the concept of zero trust networks, but it's just another firewall. It's just another VPN. It's just a new name. Um, so we can't get caught in the muck uh, with this concept. It's, it is it is the right thing for some applications. But the reality is we have to figure out how to treat that bastion host sitting out in the middle of the desert, if you will, as if it was its own castle and mm-hmm. protect them. So this is where we advocate, you have to have an advanced phishing protection, not just education. You have to block the phishing threats, the the uh, impersonations, the the spear phishing attempts, the, um, uh, we, there's, there's some of the most current things that are happening right now is the phishers are trying to impersonate an employee and reach out to finance and say, change my, uh, direct deposit bank account and and finance is doing it because they're not seeing um, the, that this is not John Smith, it's Jay Smith and Jay Smith looks fine 
everything. Look, he look, I'm pretty sure I know who Jay Smith is. He's right down the hall or used to be. <laughs> and, uh, and so they're getting more and more creative to Kirsten's point. And so how do we prevent that from ever happening? And what we've done with our advanced fishing protection is created an AI based uh, integration with Office 365 that looks at the emails, looks at the headers, looks at your address book. And when there is a message that comes in from Jay Smith and there is no Jay Smith in your address book and it appears to be from your company, that's automatically flagged as no and gets blocked. So your users don't have to be used as the tool to protect you. We use artificial, uh, let's let's call it a virtual user that is hyper-trained on, uh, yeah. on being able to identify these threats. Um, other things that we used to see a lot of before we, we deployed this for ourselves was at least once a week, we would get text messages and emails from our CEO to our finance team saying, uh, I'm I'm in this part of the country and I need some funds uh, transferred to this account. And fortunately, we are, are before our advanced phishing went into place, our awareness training had helped and none of those actually got through. Um, but like I said, all it takes is one. And uh, and we we've effectively given money to somebody unwittingly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, for one, prefer not to take the risk that um, my users are hyper aware 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'd like to account for that. Let's say, let's just say uh, that the training is perfect and you're going to get a 1% failure rate. I'd like to plan for that 1% failure rate. Because yeah. like I said, if that malware comes down and takes hold on a machine, um, then typically a threat is not detected inside of a network for six months. So that, that adversary now has six months to root around your network. And the way they got in was through a phishing attack. So right. this is the most critical of the, even though we didn't have it in our trifecta before, the fourfecta uh, with the addition of the first layer being advanced phishing protection is probably one of the most critical pieces. It's the first line of defense. It is the moat, if you will. Right, right. Well, you talked a little bit about what Data Endure is doing, um, you know, with AI and kind of adding that layer. Um, you know, phishing or uh, anti-phishing solutions, um, let's call them, have been around what, 20 years. So there's probably not a lot of organizations out there that either aren't aware of them or aren't doing something. Talk to us a little bit about uh, any other changes, or if I'm out there and let's say I already have something in place, what might I not be accounting for? What might I not be thinking about that might be leaving me vulnerable and I don't know it? So I want I want to correct uh, that that was um, I, I couldn't have asked Kirsten for a better lob there for for our listening community. Anti phishing is um, is a fallacy that we we have heard about for years. Anti spam is probably more accurate way of describing it. Antivirus is an accurate way. Right. Those things are pretty easy to find because um, anti-spam was the notion of anti-spam was we're, we're getting a message that we didn't ask for. And um, and that was pretty clear. It really it typically while malware was often hidden in spam, there was always malware hidden. Either it was a link or something. And it was easy to find some of those things. Um, it, when I say easy, relatively speaking, compared to today. Um, back then, it was a big deal. Anti there was so many anti-spam companies that came and went and did, did many things to try to improve their platforms. The, the um, 
adversaries became smarter. They started doing picture spam. And so right. then the, the anti-spam companies had to figure out how to solve that. But if you think about where we came from, we came from a world where we were looking for attachments. And if the attachments didn't meet specifications that we allowed, we would block them. Right. Or we would scan with one or more virus engines to make sure that the attachment didn't have a virus in it. And if it did, we blocked it. And that's that's email security even today. Mm -hmm. um, and and we're looking for unwanted emails. But what we're not looking for is something that looks legitimate because it's hard to when you see a, a conversation between two people, it's hard to tell that that's an unwanted email. Um, when you see something that looks like a blast email and has no specific target, it's easier to identify that as unwanted. Uh, where advanced phishing protection comes in is it's actually looking at beyond the message headers and attachments. It's not even really trying to worry about attachments. Antivirus covers that. You've probably got some antivirus solution today that is great. Mimecast or Symantec or any number of different products out there that do, it, do the job. Um, we do offer that service as well, but it's uh, this specifically, when we say anti-phishing, anti-phishing is preventing the known bad emails from getting to your users. So it's weeding through all of the messages and saying this message has a link to a URL that is a known bad URL based on this massive threat database that we have, and we're going to stop it. This message is coming from Kirsten to Shaheen, but that particular alias that is being used for Kirsten doesn't exist in the mail system. Therefore, it's not a real mail. It's a spoof. Um, this message um, is coming from uh, Kurt, our CEO, but it's not coming from his work account. It's coming from his Yahoo account, and he's sending it to finance. That's suspect. We're going to block it. Um, those are the types of things that you, most anti-spam and anti-virus uh, solutions don't do. They don't have the advanced uh, intelligence to be able to understand those nuances that I just talked about. And it took security experts to put together that AI to say, these are the types of things and continue to improve it and not just not just stop where we're at, but continue to improve it on a day-by-day -day basis. So it's... Um, it's a very different game than our traditional, um, uh, our grandma's antivirus solution, <laughs> um, but uh, but it is the right thing to do uh, in today's world. Maybe that's not the case, you know, another five years from now, there'll be something new that the hackers come up with because phishing slowed down or spear phishing slowed down. Right. Well, and I think um, one of the things that Data Endure is really investing in um, just specifically because of that, because of the nature of change and the pace of change, we're really uh, from customer requests and customer demand investing a lot in building out managed security services. So instead of these organizations having to go out and buy one tool today and then it doesn't work because you know now a threat vector has changed now I got to go do something else wind up owning all of these tools of which you know who knows how many of them are effective and um, we're really making that investment for them from the R&D standpoint all the way through managing that tool on their behalf and I think you know within this four factor that we're talking about a lot of that does parlay into managed services for organizations. I'm going to talk a little bit about the implications of that um, for organizations. Yeah, the um, uh, you're you're spot on in talking about the nature of tools. There's um, there's a chart I often use when I'm speaking with customers that has um, it's it's 
you can't even see the logos. They're small. There is over 3,000 logos on this thing. And it's the security landscape. Um, you know, I've got anti-phishing, anti-virus, uh, anti-spam, endpoint security, firewalls, all these different categories. And in each one, there's 20 or 30 logos at least. And there's today about 3,000 security companies out there. And each of those companies has uh, anywhere between one and 20 different security products that you can take advantage of. And it's, it's a little bit overwhelming trying to figure out which tools are the right tools um, and even for us, who are the practitioners in the space, we, I, I consider, so I wear two hats. I wear the CTO hat, wherein I, I own the office of the CTO on technology and direction and product development. And I wear the CISO hat, which is not only managing security for us, but also the CISO for all of our customers. Mm-hmm. And, and those two hats are in a bit of a conflict, and the, and, but they're also complementary because of the office of the CTO is a system integrator that has 37 years of experience that is integrating the best in breed security tools for the managed security provider to be able to take to our customers. So um, if if you don't have, if, you, if your security team is just the team who's responding and reacting to security and monitoring and, and being the response side of that factor, you don't have the bandwidth to also be doing the research and development and product analysis and and the constant, like my, my team is exhausted from one POC to the next on technology solutions. Um, we do shootouts constantly between those 3,000 different technologies I talked about. We look at who are the leading players and the up and coming players. Um, and we we often, we like a, generally speaking in our business, in our enterprise services business, we really like to partner with disruptors. So we have anchors that are companies that have been doing what they do and they're their best in their class. But then we have disruptors that are changing the way that category works. and. For security, it's the same thing. Security, we talk about it, cybersecurity as a single class or practice, but when you think about it, there's so many different layers of security. There's network security, user security, identity management. It's all those things are their own category, if you will. And we look for disruptors in all these categories to integrate into our offerings and platforms that we take to customers. And when product A in category one is no longer the best, we replace that on the back end without any cost to our customers and their security um, portfolio continues to churn and do what it's supposed to do and find uh, uh, indications of compromise. And they don't have to spend two seconds thinking about it. So the implications that you're asking about, Kirsten, are really in order to do what we do and be able to do it as effectively as we do it, the security team would have to grow to the size of a small company. And, uh, and and that's difficult. It's some some companies can afford to do that when they're, you know, multi-billion-dollar company and they have the funds and wherewithal to do it. But for the rest of us, it's it's really difficult to have the cycles and time and resources to be able to do that, and also have our own business and differentiate our own product from our competitors. Sure. Well, and you mentioned time, right? And yep. from a cybersecurity perspective. Um, and it's something we say all the time, it's about time. It's all about time. And so if you are an organization that is trying to stand this up on your own and continuously respond, oh, there's something new out there, now I have to adapt to that. What a distraction from your core business. And what is the likelihood that you are really going to be able to be on top of everything that's coming at you? And so from a time factor and, and reality is, any bit of time that you pull back from that cyber bad guy is to your benefit. So 
in deploying a managed security service, you know, in theory, you're getting the best time advantage out there. That's it. I should get a job in marketing. You should. <laughs> well, um, so Shaheen, um, as we wrap up, what would you advise folks out there? We always kind of ask this question at the end, but, but it's valid. If people are out there and maybe thinking they've got the right security tools in place, or maybe kind of scratching their head and saying, gosh, I think I do, but I'm not sure. In fact, there's a recent survey out there saying that although people have spent a lot of money on tools, 58% of executives out there are not sure the tools they've purchased are doing the right thing. So what would you recommend as a next step for someone listening to this? If they're curious, if they want to make sure, hey, is what I'm doing the right thing? Before I answer that, I'm going to say that uh, I've been a CISO and CTO for about 20 years. And in that time, I've had to come into organizations and figure out what the security posture and the state of controls was. And we really, it's, it's a challenge. It usually takes six months to a year to figure it out. And then you got another year to fix things. So uh, for, for all you new CISOs out there who are stepping into a new role, um, it's, it, I, I feel your pain and I understand your challenge. And we've specifically built capabilities to help. Um, and so there's two things. So number one, um, we have a, uh, what we call a CISO assessment, which is a pain, paid engagement that allows us to come in and we effectively do purple team activity and do penetration testing inside your network to test all your security controls, your endpoint protection, your firewalls, your password controls, your DLP, uh, and all those things are, are part of this offering that we bring to the market. And the idea behind it, the reason it was designed was selfishly as a CISO, I wanna quickly understand the state of the security controls uh, that I'm taking over. Um, and uh, that's that's a two-week engagement, so it's not going to take years of your life away. Uh, again, it's all about time, so we were super aggressive on our, our time frames. But the but the more simpler uh, approach is, as I've mentioned, the final layer of defense, the the last line of defense. We consider our SOC. Our SOC offering is, um, I think, head and shoulders above any other SOC offerings out there. Uh, our customers would attest to that. Many of them came from other SOC offerings and they were at the end of their ropes and uh, they effectively said, I'm not sure that managed SOC is something I'm interested in. And uh, and once they got on our service, they said, we didn't realize everybody else was doing it wrong. And, uh, and so a little bit of tooting our own horn for that. But the reason I bring that up is we have a complimentary security health check that's part of our SOC. And uh, one of the things we do very uniquely in our SOC is we do a very smaller subset of that CISO assessment every month for our customers. We run five attack scenarios inside your network every month and give you a report card on what things are, what controls have drifted uh, from a configuration drift perspective and what remediation steps you ought to take to close that gap. And our security health check is actually also a complimentary um, offering that we have for our customers who are considering coming onto our SOC. And, and it will quickly tell you the state of vulnerabilities in your environment. It will classify those vulnerabilities by the CVSS scores. And it will do a, and both, and the complementary version is a small subset. So it's not your full network, but it gives you an idea of our mm -hmm. capabilities. Mm -hmm. And uh, the security control validation is the other side of it, which you'll get the report card that says, here are your security controls that are at risk and what you need to do to fix them. Uh, again, that's a 14 day 
um, evaluation, if you will, uh, where we're coming in and we'll deploy with, it takes about two to four hours of your team's time to help us set it up. And it runs for two weeks and we meet with you and give you the results at the end of that and walk you through those results. And uh, I think that's a great next step. Um, but if you're a brand new CISO, you just went somewhere, the CISO assessment is something to consider as well. Fantastic. Well, and we have found uh, over the last four or five months that Security Health Check has been instrumental for some of these organizations out there. Flip back to the beginning of our conversation where they had to move people fast, they had to move workloads fast, and are now with things settling in saying, gosh, did anything I do break anything? Did anything I do open a gap that I don't know about? And so it is a very valuable, uh, easy to deploy, easy to get information um, uh, health check that can really help help somebody know where do we gauge on this and is there anything we ought to be doing different? Well, with that, uh, Shaheen, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you to everyone out there. Uh, we hope that this uh, quick uh, preview into advanced phishing uh, was helpful for you. Certainly, uh, every time I talk to Shaheen, I get uh, new, new tidbits of information that are helpful to me. Um, so thank